I, I'm not saying you're wrong about Dustin McGowan, but that's a heck of an example to grab. I wonder if Otto Lopez might regret playing for Team Canada at the World Baseball Classic. Although, Canada's going to be out so fast that he'll be back in camp. Because the clock does not start until the pitcher gets the ball back. So if they throw down to first, the clock doesn't start. It's free real estate. And welcome to episode number 259 of Artificial Turf Wars, where we wonder if that family of ospreys is still nesting on top of the light, light tower in Dunedin. I am your host, Kuznuski, and I am joined by the affable Joshua Housem. How you doing, Josh? <laughs> I like that one. Uh, <laughs> and I think those ospreys would like to be on the light flower. Yeah, it'd be better than the light tower, but... Actually, probably not. Osprey are yeah. huge. <laughs> 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 a, a heavy flower. So when you go down, uh, you're going next week, you told me, pre-show. Yes, that's correct. So you will get me a photo of the rather haphazard-looking nest that they make up there if they're still, in fact, there. I would bet a lot of money if they're still there. In fact, when they were doing all the renovations on the stadium, they had to be careful because it's a protected bird. So they couldn't disturb its nest in the light towers. <laughs> Amazing. So, spring training, we have a casualty. We have, of course, Vlad Jr., marquee player, as a casualty with a, a, a little funny thing going on in his leg. Um, we will discuss how that happened. Uh, the He is going to be missing the World Baseball Classic, which is already underway. We'll take a quick look at uh, who's involved uh, and how it's been going so far. Uh, Yusei Kikuchi has a zero spring ERA, which caused Mitch White apparently to get off his lazy behind <laughs> He's going to be throwing a live hitter shortly. Um, Kevin Gaussman, uh, with the pitch clock and his specific little uh, toe tap in his delivery, that's got to go. Um, he's working on that. Who will the 26th man be? Because it can't be spring training without some roster discussion uh, here as, as time gets shorter and shorter. Jose Bautista is going on the level of excellence in August, which I think is pretty cool. We have your questions. We have a do-over for the World Baseball Classic, um, you know, just Canada's jersey, which it's a, it's disappointing. Uh, and then a gold star for, I, th I think we could say podcast favorite Zach Greinke, couldn't we? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, 100%. All right. So let's start with the bad news, uh, which isn't horrible, but uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Um, singled and, and took second, I believe, on on, uh, on the throw home with Bo Bichette scored. Stayed in, in the game for the rest of that inning. And then, leg problems. Yeah. So it's like spring training starts and then you just, nothing good happens. Isn't that for six mm -hmm. weeks? Isn't that the, mm -hmm. the saying or something like that? That's the truth. People, the only thing, good thing that can happen in spring training. No, there's just nothing. It's the only thing that could happen is people don't get injured, which is yeah. not a good thing. It's an absence of bad. Yeah. The only good thing that happened is nothing. Which is not a thing. You're right. Uh, and I, I say this every year. I, it's like a fingers crossed. Please, please, whatever it is, let it be not major or not to someone important. Because it will be something. Like, there's always sure. something. Yeah, I mean, Kevin Kiermaier had to leave a game just yesterday. We're recording this on Wednesday. Because he got hit with a pickoff throw in the knee. And then he was running funny, but he's fine. Like, but it's just like, stop getting hurt. <laughs> and then obviously Vlad was the bigger one because, you know, it was... Something went wrong with his knee while running, and that can be very bad. Yes, 
Um, so they did an MRI, as the teams are uh, want to do in every situation that they possibly can. And the result was no structural damage, which is hopefully the magic words. Yeah, it, this is the kind of thing that, yeah, they said just some inflammation. So he probably just tweaked it just running, which you know, happens, right? People do that. This is the kind of thing that if it does happen, though, you want it to happen on March 3rd or whatever <laughs> it was. Yeah. Because it gives him time to get back to it and be ready for the start of the season. The worst is when the small injury happens, you know, three days left in spring training, and it means they have to miss the start of the season. Yeah, and then they make the roster change, right? And that might change, you know, the other sort of domino effects down the line as well with, with, uh, with uh, you know, 40-man moves and DFAs and everything else that turns out it's only a week later and the person is ready to go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, right. that's that's how the Blue Jays uh, once upon a time lost piece of human garbage Sam Dyson because <laughs> they called him up and then they had to replace him immediately. Yeah. Um, other than that, so far the spring has has been fairly kind to the Blue Jays. Uh, not that not that I'm happy about Vlad Jr. going down, but I do. Uh, he's going to miss the World Baseball Classic. Um, um Maybe not. Oh, maybe so he not. tweeted out an Instagram thing saying, see you in the second round to the team. Oh, bloody heck. So this is my problem with the World Baseball Classic. Is the rosters, what do they represent? And other than an injury risk for the people who are participating. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I still love it. I really, I really enjoy watching World Baseball Classic. Uh, it is an increased risk for the players for sure just in the sense of they will be playing full games or playing at a level of intensity that they would not otherwise be. That said, they are baseball players, so they really should be able to do it. I, I, I say yes. It, it's, not, it's not that they're going to run out of gas by the end of the World Baseball Classic. It's, to me, when you hear about a player who, uh, in a regular season talks about having a lull in August or, you know, having to reset themselves for September and, and, you know, and you look and they have a slump late in the season and they go, oh, it's because I was tired or because I worn out or my conditioning didn't hold up. And then you add three weeks of games to that. And it seems like the odds for that go up. And I'm not even talking about pitchers who break on the regular anyway. Yeah. Pitchers are just exempt from everything because the more times you throw deeper into games, the worse you are, the worse your odds are of staying healthy. It's just the odds are at some point it's going to go. Yeah. But, I mean, the, the nice thing with hitters is, especially on these deep rosters like the Dominican one, flat ends up going or, you know, Team USA or whatever, is that there's so many good players that they don't have to play every game and the games are somewhat spread out. So at least it allows them to have the, the a similar rest level that they would in spring training. You know, maybe they'll be playing a, a longer game, but they won't be playing every single day like they would during the regular season. So while I'm not dismissing what you're saying, because it absolutely could be a thing, I just I think it's probably not as big a worry as it would it could appear to be on the surface because of the way the scheduling is done in the tournament. I won't say I'm not being a worry wart. <laughs> no, but it's it's not unrealistic. I mean, there's a reason that guys often don't go. Right? It's yeah. not you know, they, they wouldn't not go if it wasn't a risk on some level. So we'll wait for round two and we'll see how that's going. Um, there have been, but it's all, but it started though, and and Yoenis yeah. Cespedes was a batting cleanup for Team Cuba, so that was kind of fun. Um, actually, it's the first time that major league players are allowed to play for Team Cuba in an in, uh, international tournament, which is kind of cool. 
And Cuba lost. <laughs> they did, yes. Um, so yeah, there's been two games according to the standings. Uh, the Netherlands and Panama are 1-0. Chinese Taipei and Cuba are 0-1. Um, and uh, this is the round that is, you know, multiple time zones. So if you really want to watch the World Baseball Classic and, and have access, games are going on every every hour of the day, it seems. Yeah, I mean, you can get up at four in the morning and watch Shohei Otani pitch against Team China. This sounds so weird. I, I mean, he's going to throw a no-hitter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, you know, they they put the, the um, teams alphabetically if the records are the same. So right now, China is in second place in Pool B. That's <laughs> 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 as high as it's going to get, one would think. I mean, I'm not assuming China is necessarily going to go winless because they did qualify and they actually apparently played quite well in the qual played quite well in the qualifying but the japanese team is really good and shoei otani is one of the best pitchers in the world <laughs> so i just think it's going to be a challenge they probably haven't seen before and korea is in the same pool um so, also a good team yeah so yeah. It, it would be tough for them to uh to get better than second where they sit right now um canada the the roster filled out i guess <laughs> Sort of. Uh, yeah. Freddie Freeman's happy to be there, right? He is, apparently. And I actually, I think it might have been on this podcast I talked about, I wish they would take Jason Brown from the Blue Jays yeah. prospect because it's just like a, a speed guy who's an elite defender. They could put in if they have a lead. They took him. So I'm happy. Uh, anything else you want to touch on as far as World Baseball Classic? Do you, okay. Who do you who do you have as, as the winner? That's my... I think Japan's going to win. Um, Japan's I'm pitching just, is just ridiculous. I'm going to say the Dominican Republic because it would be fun if the Dominican Republic won. And uh, they're not bad. Okay. The, he, he, here's a funny one. Someone was talking about how – so the Team USA lineup has Kyle Tucker hitting sixth. And then I saw people talking about he might move up to third. He only hit six for the Astros. It would be really funny if he hit higher for Team USA <laughs> than he did for the Astros. <laughs> Oh, WBC. What are your rosters? We're never quite sure. Because, yeah. I mean, that um, was more dig at the Astros than anything, but yeah. Uh, so, back to the Blue Jays. Yusei Kikuchi, the, the man of the spring, the hero of Dunedin, um, continues to have a zero spring ERA, is what you told me. Yeah, and really, he's only given up one hit, and the hit was a a tapped ground ball that he picked it up and fell down trying to throw it. Like he hasn't given up a real hit yet. Now we know that doesn't mean anything. So the, I guess the other question is, has he begun to use his fastball more in the last two appearances? Cause he had the two appearances on three day rest when we last did a podcast. Mm -hmm. Has he used his fastball more since? Yeah. So I, I was watching his outing, I guess this would have been yesterday again, we're recording on Tuesday on Wednesday, but, uh, and I was tracking his fastball usage. He threw 16 fastballs in the three innings out of 51 pitches, which is – that's not bad, I don't think, as as far as a ratio would go for, you know, for someone like Kikuchi. Sorry, 15. 15 out of 51. So – but he, with the way he's pitching, he's never going to be fastball heavy. But he threw nine strikes with the 15 fastballs. So that was the encouraging thing. I think that's the more important part, right? Because we, we really saw him lose faith and struggle with just believing the fastball could, could be okay in the zone. Um, 
And then by the time he he really gave in, he was way behind in the count. The fastball was not okay in the zone. And it would get destroyed, yeah. So and it was all it was interesting to see him elevate it well too, because last year there were times when they would call for the elevated fastball and it would he would throw it, but it would be, you know, it'd be the right height, but five feet outside. And he got three strikeouts. Or sorry, two strikeouts. One of them was the strike two and strike three with elevated fastballs. So like, yeah, I saw him throw three elevated fastballs by people. And it's just like, okay, well, if he's able to do that, because he's changed his delivery and only working out of the stretch. So if the tweaks he's made are starting to work, then it's really interesting. I mean, obviously, again, it's spring training and the, the results themselves don't necessarily mean anything, but the strike rate does. And the shot, the fact that he's changing his pitches and his delivery at least you want to see it work more than you want to see it not work well for sure i mean that's i i have nothing against you say kuchi um i think uh, you and i both i believe think the talent is there to be a solid number five starter in in the league but you know it's it's just what the heck has been happening lately you know second half of 2021 and most of 2022 with um <clears throat> you know keep hitting stumbling blocks it's not the talent yeah, it, it's, you know not like he lost a whole bunch of miles per hour no but it is interesting that his release point early in the spring is much closer to the first half of 2021 and the and and parts of 2020 than it was in 2021 in the second half and all of 2022 so it seems he has tweaked his mechanics to get back to a level that where he showed success. His numbers in 2020, if you look at them, 517 ERA is terrible. But he just had extremely bad luck in 2020. It wasn't like last year where, you know, it's like, okay, well, he couldn't throw strikes. And I thought that was unlucky from a sense of the fact that he had never had that level of command problems. But he just... He he gave up way more runs than you would suggest with the batted ball data from 2020. So if he can be the first half 20 guy from 2021 and and the 2020 guy, that that's what the Jays wanted. That's why they gave him a three year deal. Now, whether they actually get that or not, this is what they thought could be there from the beginning. So uh, yeah, going forward. Good news so far. We'll we'll see if it holds up. If it doesn't hold up, his competition for that fifth spot is still Mitch White, who, before we go into discussing uh, his his comeback from a minor injury, I just have to say, he has some of the most intense pitcher face in his stills on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> Any pitcher I've seen, there's, there's just... There's a lot of a lot of stuff going on that probably should not be captured on a single frame in a camera. Um, he is he threw a 43 pitch bullpen, I think was what they said um, yep. the other day, right. which which is uh, sooner than perhaps we were thinking. Um, it was a shoulder impingement. We didn't we didn't you know it was not expected to be a surgery or anything, but you never know with shoulders. Um, and then on Friday, he is supposed to pitch live bullpen against Blue Jays hitter. That's from Arden Welling is where I grabbed that one off of Twitter. Yeah, and then if, and then he'll throw into games if that if that Friday goes well. 
it's interesting what the, there's sort of a domino effect of Mitch White being healthy because I was almost working under the assumption that he just wouldn't be because impingements can be really tricky things. Sometimes they can guy can come back like he did in two weeks, and sometimes it's Dustin McGowan and you don't see the guy for three years. <laughs> I, okay, <laughs> I I'm not saying you're wrong about Dustin McGowan, but that's a heck of an example to grab. <laughs> no, 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 I know, but, but I just meant like an impingement. It, you know, it, when they when it actually clears up, they could you could find some damage to the labrum or something, right? Right. That's obviously not the case here. But if Mitch White is healthy, he has to make the team. He, they're not going to just DFA Mitch White because they traded a lot to get him, and his numbers in the Dodgers games during you know before being coming over to Toronto were actually pretty good. Obviously, the Jays feel that there's something there. So, but if he's healthy, he has to be on the team, which means there is no room for Nate Pearson, for Zach Pop, for Hagen Denner, for well, I mean Ricky Tiedemann's not going to make it anyway. But there's no room for those guys because the roster is full. It's it's okay. I will say two things. One, it's a great problem to have. Uh, number two, and this is the the voting music in the background. If you can't hear it, uh, these things have a way of working themselves out. Right. Of course they do. And, and you know, like we just talked about nothing good happens in spring training, right? Yep. And Mitch White hasn't even made it back to facing hitters yet. So <laughs> officially, he hasn't done it yet. So I'm 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 putting a lot of uh, carts before a single horse. But it is an interesting... Visual. Yes, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is an interesting conundrum that they've got, though, because let, let's say they actually do make it through. Right, I guess, because as you said, injuries happen and it sort itself out. Nate Pearson is probably a guy who should be throwing all of his pitches in the major leagues at this point. You know, with his health issues, you uh, you kind of want him to be using as much of his bullets against major league batters. But to do that, they'd have to cut Trevor Richards or Adam Simber or trade someone. But from a competitive standpoint, you also, you also can't really do that. <laughs> No, because you don't know which of those guys m even might be a liability, right? Yep. Um, so, I mean, you might have to wait and find out that one of them is a liability or injured. And as you said, this is one of those good problems to have, right? It, obviously, yeah. having, oh, no, you have too much depth that viable major league flamethrowers can't <laughs> make your bullpen. <laughs> All right. We'll set that the bullpen aside for a moment. We should talk about uh, Kevin Gausman, who <clears throat> this, this is a pitch clock thing, which we talked about the pitch clock last week. Um, the pitch clock timing involves when the hitter comes to a full and complete stop. And because of the nature of Gausman's delivery, which he was allowed to have in previous seasons, he never really came to a full and complete you mean the stop. You said the hitter. So the hitter. The, the pitcher must come to a full and complete stop. Uh, he never really did that in the past. See, the thing is, that's always been a balk. I mean, <laughs> technically, he should have been called for a balk always. But the part of the thing that's the issue now is that they can't determine when his when his motion starts, which I think is nonsense. Like, he lifts his leg up when it starts. It's really easy to tell <laughs> when it starts. But I think they just want him to start balking on every pitch. Um, yeah, and I think that's reasonable. And I think if you are interested in learning the Bach rules, I would refer you to uh, John Bois' tweet about uh, balking, which clarifies it for me 100% of the time. Um, yeah, like, 
a balk is whatever the umpire screams out balk at, unfortunately, in baseball. So if he's being told, hey, no more toe tap, great, no more toe tap. We can see the thing is, it's always been a rule. This is not just the amorphous, a balk is whatever the umpire thinks it is, which is definitely a thing. But there's always a rule that you have to come to a complete stop when there's a runner on first or runner on base, rather. Yeah. And Gaussman doesn't really do that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, technically, from... he comes to a, a, you know, a fraction of a second stop, but that's not usually what they mean by that rule. Yeah. But parts of his oh. body stop. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> the reason this matters is because Gaussman himself has said he did the toe tap to get himself into the rhythm to pitch. So having to change all that actually matters. He could just be fine, but he also, his first spring outing, his command was all over the place because he's trying to learn something new, which is not really what you want from your $110 million pitcher. No, but <clears throat> these are professional athletes who do regularly tinker with aspects unbidden uh, of, of their you know whether they are uh their delivery or where they stand in the rubber or where they put their hands you know during um during the windup um and hitters make all kinds of adjustments on the fly without you know needing to make those adjustments etc etc et without being told to so i don't think the it's difference the is they're the choosing to do that right I, th I do think there's a difference between a pitcher saying, I want to get better at this or this or this or this, and I'm going to try this or this or this or this versus I have something that I know works for me and now I can't do it. There, It's all psychological from the beginning. Like he even said the toe tapping was to get into himself into this rhythm of feeling ready to pitch. So it's an emotional thing more than it is a physical one. Again, it might not matter at all, but it is something that we should be paying attention to because it might change something. Fair enough. Uh, 26 men in the, um, the roster 20, who is the 26th? We, we know most of the, most of those guys. Um, and we've discussed that the bullpen is overflowing with people. Um, who, who is fighting for that last spot? Yeah. If they could just keep the 14th reliever, this would solve all the problems, <laughs> but they can't do that anymore as of really last year but the rules technically came in before 2020 but COVID threw it all out of whack you can only have 13 pitchers and 13 position players and otani screws all that up but for everyone who doesn't have shohei otani it's 13 and 13. the blue jays have 12 locked in position players that they don't really need a 13th unless there's an injury but they have to take one so it's really between it looks like otto lopez nathan lucas Winton Bernard, who's not on the 40 man, so it's probably not going to be him. And then Addison Barger, Barger's making noise, although, again, there's developmental reasons why you wouldn't want him in that role. But it is unfortunate that they have to do this at all, given that it's not ideal for their roster makeup. Yeah. I, I don't really understand what happened when, like, a 12-man pitching staff in the 1990s was so many pitchers that was excessive yeah <laughs> and now it's like gosh we could really use that 14th guy or we're gonna have to have a position player pitching and it's like i don't i don't understand what happened um, well what happened is that they realized that it's a lot smarter not have starters throw seven or eight innings every time mm. yeah fair enough so you need more relievers but from 
the 26-man standpoint, I wonder if Otto Lopez might regret playing for Team Canada at the World Baseball Classic. Although Canada's going to be out so fast that he'll be back in camp. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Grand opening, grand close. <laughs> because he seems like he'd be a really good fit. He can play shortstop in a pinch, but he can play the outfield. He can play second, and he bats right-handed, and he can run. That seems like a good guy for the 26th man, but he's not in camp. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see because he seems like a guy that should have gotten some opportunities and just hasn't. Yeah. Well, uh, as, as I've said like seven times during this podcast, I guess we'll see. It, we, we are yeah. still, you know, early in camp, relatively speaking. Yeah, we're just um, assessing where things are at the moment, right? There's not a lot yeah. to talk about in spring training, right? There is there is a thing to talk about that, that absolutely has already happened, and uh, the plan is set up for it to be made official. Jose Bautista is going on the level of excellence. We could have given a gold star for this. We could have. But it's but such it's an obvious of, thing. Yeah, it's kind of obvious. I don't know if you get the gold star for doing something really obvious. Um, yeah, I mean... I think we've we've had that hypothetical discussion on Twitter. I, I think when he retired, retired, I'll put that in quotation marks because I don't think he had the, you know, he didn't really have a victory lap. Um, but there was a lot of talk is, did Jose Bautista rise to that level? And my opinion has always been yes, because there were so many, so many times other than even the bat flip where, um, it seemed like Jose Bautista was at the center of something great happening on the Blue Jays. And that makes it feel like even even if he you know doesn't have the numbers that like Carlos Delgado did, he's still an incredible, incredible part of Blue Jays history. Yeah, and even obviously the huge moments, just all the postseason home runs, the, you know, he's the franchise record single season holder for home runs. He also hit 285 of them as a Blue Jay. <laughs> His numbers on their own stand up. Right? You know, he had a, he was a top 10 MVP finisher four times, top five twice. He, he, I don't how, see how anybody could justifiably say he doesn't belong on the level of excellence. He's arguably the greatest position player in franchise history. So it's nice yeah. that they're doing it, and I'm I'm going to be there on August 12th. Like <laughs> it's happening. There's no way I'm missing that game. It's my wedding anniversary, um, so I probably won't. <laughs> what, what better way to celebrate? <laughs> yeah, just head on down to the ballpark. Uh, yeah, no. Um, I I guess the, the only thing that is kind of uh, just weird about it is the criteria for getting onto the level of excellence are still not 100% clear. I think the it's, criteria is, do they want you to do it? Will you agree to do it? <laughs> yeah that's basically, pretty much that's basically it um with that one person who has been they have been officially deleted the person who shall not be named yeah yeah well he got up there he's just he didn't do the qualifications to stay there which is don't be horrible <laughs> the, the level of continued excellence so to speak so uh yeah. <laughs> it's not, you don't need to continue excellence you just need yeah. to continue base decency <laughs> <laughs> it's a whole other discussion. The whole, this is not talking about him. This is yeah, about Bautista. Exactly. It's about Jose Bautista, and, and there's lots of space in the level of excellence for his name and his number now. So number 19 going up. You know what there isn't a lot of space for? Tickets left for that game. Good on Blue Jays fans. That game is almost entirely sold out now. When it nice. happened within minutes of that being announced, that just the tickets were flying off the shelves. And that's the way it should be. The fans want to go see their hero 
I mean, the modern era of fans, there's no bigger hero than Jose Bautista. And they'll get yeah. to see him honored. And that's really cool. I got to be there for Delgado's and I would not have traded that for anything. I loved being there for that. Cool. On that lovely note, um, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back with uh, your questions, of which I believe there are a fair number this week. We'll be right back. What's your man? I want to jam it with you. What's your man? And we are back. And we are so ready to answer all of the burning questions on the minds of our esteemed listeners. Time now to hear from our listeners. That just seems silly. Here are the rules. First I ask a question, then you ask a question. Now how does that sound, sweetheart? Could you repeat the question, please? Uh, first question is actually late arrival from last week. Howie says, at says underscore Howie said, is the pitch clock just a great advantage for base stealing? The runner gets to see the clock and has a better idea when the pitcher has to throw to the batter. I think the pitch clock itself actually is, can be used effectively by both sides. Because if the pitcher has not used up his disengagements from the rubber, by which mean he can, if he can still throw over to first without penalty, they could trick you the other way and they let the countdown go to three, two, one, and then throw to first. And if you're looking at it thinking they have to go to the plate, you could be caught going the wrong direction. So I don't think it's actually an advantage for the base runner. I think that the disengagement limit is an advantage for the base runner, a huge one. That does seem to be, you know, a, a fixed total there, which would discourage throwing over. I, I think... It'll be interesting to see the pacing when there is someone who is, you know, ready to steal a base. Um, the overall pacing of the game in that situation, normally it does kind of slow down to a crawl. So it would be nice if if the attempt was just made rather than, you know, four throws over and, and then, you know, stepping off without a throw over and then losing the sign because you can't remember what the count was and all of that stuff. Um, yeah. Um, one thing that will be interesting is the number of catcher throws to first base because, the, oh God, Buck. Okay, I think Buck is a very good analyst when he is bringing up his own thoughts on the game. I think he really understands it, but I just don't think he listens very well. So they were doing the broadcast, and it was—I I believe it was Ben Wagner who was with him, or Joe Siddle. I can't remember who it was, but it would, but whoever was the play-by-play brought up are we going to see more of those this year catcher throws to first catcher picks to first base and then buck goes off and starts talking about well vladdy likes to do that all the time and if the pitch is low and away it's like that wasn't the question the question was whether with these rules we're going to see more and across baseball this spring we are there's two reasons one because the pit the the runners if they have you know, if the pitcher can't pick off, we're getting bigger secondaries and bigger leads. But also, it gives the pitcher a little more time because the clock does not start until the pitcher gets the ball back. So if they throw down to first, the clock doesn't start. It's free real estate. It is. So to speak. Um, next question is, who do you think will, from Linator, L-I-N-U-T-O-R, uh, who do you think will pitch more innings for this the Jays this year, Pearson or Tiedemann? What do you think? Pearson. I agree. 
I don't think Tiedemann's going to throw that many. Um, I think I think they would like Pearson to start throwing innings in April, and now they might be boxed out of it, as we discussed previously. That's true. <laughs> uh, BK at underscore BKUH underscore. Who makes the sixth most starts in the Jays rotation? Hyunjin Ryu. Ooh. Um, That's my answer. You say Kikuchi. That's a viable answer, too. So last year, only five players made 10 starts or more for the Blue Jays. Six players. No, five. It was Manoa, Gossman, Brio, Stripling, and Kikuchi. Mitch White made eight. I don't think they want Mitch White to have to go into the rotation. And I think that the odds of needing a ton of starts early in the season are, they're not bad, but they're not great. But I think that when Ryu comes back and he's already throwing long toss, he's he's throwing healthily, I'm betting on the comeback and then he's going to go right in the rotation. He's not going into the bullpen. Oh, no. I think he's going to make a dozen starts. Yeah, no. Or the, at least I, 10. There's no sense to Hyunjin Ryu. He's either not good enough or he's not good enough to be in the majors or he's a he's a starter. Yeah. yeah. I, absolutely. So that um, was a follow-up to this, which was, oh, yeah. assuming this is Mitch White, D- who makes the seven starts. Um, responded to that question rather than directly to you. <laughs> saying, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, he said, assuming this is Mitch White, who makes the seventh most starts in 2023. Well, Darius, <laughs> I, I put this in that responded w- w- with the Turf Pod account. You have made an assumption, and that means you will be an ass, and the ump will shun you, <laughs> said on Fresh Prince. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, the answer was Yanjin Ryu, but I think Mitch White will be number seven. Uh, and the answer was Yusei Kikuchi, so I think that, yeah, I think Mitch White will be number seven. Um, who's number six? Who's number five for you then? Hyunjin Ryu. All right, I like it. I, I think they're all very close, right? I like I I I feel like if Hyunjin Ryu gets like thirteen starts, it might be Yusei Kikuchi gets twelve and Mitch White gets eleven. Sure, you know, I can 10 see that or whatever. Because um, you're, you're trying to cover roughly thirty-five starts out of that slot, maybe maybe thirty-three because of off days and stuff. Yeah. Um, Matt Sweeby at Blue Jay Matt, uh, burning question, a little off topic. Was mathematics invented or discovered? Yes. Discovered. I think it's essentially discovered, but also invented. They had to come up with it, but they'd come up with something that was a thing. Discovered, Uh, I think, is the better wording, though, of the two. It was developed. (laughs) Yeah, sure. (laughs) Yeah, it wasn't neither. It was developed. Uh, Milk tea. Uh, this is a complicated question. I hope you have your notepad. Uh, at a milk tea five two seven one five one four zero, not a bot. How many times will Kikuchi pitch at least five innings, which was uh, eight out of twenty, which is forty percent of the time last season? Although that includes Kikuchi's, does that include Kikuchi's bullpen appearance? No, that was just no, his okay. Start. That was starts twenty starts. How many times will yeah. Barrios pitch at least six innings, seventeen out of thirty-two, or fifty-three percent of the? time last season or answer in percent if you are predicting any major injuries i think that brios will do it probably similarly uh, i'll say 60 percent for brios and at least half the time for kikuchi i think that they're both going to be better um i have no reason to disagree with that assessment 
because both both of those seasons were were outliers for both of them i think in in terms of both both quality and durability so hey let's regress to the mean yeah he said optimistically alex johnston at alex underscore johnston eight why haven't the jays put green and ryu on the 60 day yet um i'm gonna answer the very cheeky because they don't have to uh, and who do you think gets those two spots? And I'm going to hand that over to Josh, who keeps track of these things. Yeah, so I think this is the flaw in the question, actually. The answer to who should get spots when someone goes on the 60-day IL is who do they need to add? I, I saw an article. I can't. I think it might have been on Blue Jays Nation or something. They, they were trying to figure out who should be given the 60-man, the 40-man the spots. Why would you do that? You don't put someone on the 40-man unless you have to. Which is why Ryu, Ryu and Green aren't on the 60 yet because they don't need to add someone to the 40 man. If they decide Winton Bernard is worthy of the 26 man on the roster, then one of those guys will go on the 60 day IL. But there are also rules about when you can do that. You can, so they could put one of them on right now because you have to have a full roster in order to be eligible to put someone on the 60 day. They couldn't just throw both of them on there because then they would have two open spots. And as we said, you don't just add people to the 40 men for no reason because then you can't cut them. <laughs> it's like it becomes yeah. a real problem. So, yeah, they won't yeah. do it unless someone gets hurt and they need to bring someone up who's not on the 40 man already. Or if they want to add someone who's not to the roster, like, say, Winter Bernard. Yeah. And there's no penalty because time wise, they can always backdate the 68 AIL still, right? Yeah. Yeah, so it's it's not like they're they're penalized by. I think I'm I'm wondering if that's what Alex is thinking is if they don't put if they you know put Ryu on now then they have to wait sixty days to bring him off. But the thing is also neither of these yeah. guys is going to be ready within sixty days anyway, anyway, so it doesn't matter. Um, Dave Church has our final question as I read it of the night, which is <clears throat> more likely to bounce back, Barrios or Kikuchi. <laughs> well, if you take the bounce back as its literal word, Kikuchi doesn't have that far to bounce back to because he's never been as good. So I guess it's Kikuchi. Well, but I think Barrios will be on, the... On the other hand, Barrios has been the one who is so consistent that you know what his baseline is. And Kikuchi, we're not entirely sure because the seasons have been all over the place. So... Right, that's the thing, but he doesn't have to bounce that high to get to bounce back because <laughs> he's never had a great full season. <laughs> but Barrios does because he was so much worse. But I still think Brios is going to be basically Brios. I like that you? we got tangled up in the semantics of that question. But that's what we do. Uh, so uh, I pick Brios actually. I think I think Kikuchi is has been so wildly inconsistent that I'm not willing to to bet on as him as more likely to achieve what what we think he can achieve. Whereas Brios was so consistent for so long. It seems more likely that he would he would come back to uh, his baseline performance or close enough to his baseline performance to be valuable. He said with yep. no real confidence whatsoever. Well, I mean, but <laughs> outside of his 14 start rookie season, we're talking about a guy who had an ERA of 3.74 that was never above four and never below 3.5. We knew what Jose Brios was. So, yes, I do think it's likely he's going to return to something like that. Yeah, there you go. That's why why my answer is uh, most likely. Um, we are going to move on to the do-over. Oh my God, did he really just say that? But we can try again, right? You talking about a do-over, baby? Are you talking about a do-over? We believe in second chances. 
I haven't used that one for ages. Um, no, you haven't. I think it's appropriate here because no, we we cannot give it a second chance. And and yes, they do need probably a do over. Um, I mean, I don't envy the people who design uniforms for a living who have to keep coming up with different spins on the same thing over and over again. However, you pointed it out to me earlier today. Uh, you showed me the design, and I would have to say the UBC, the WBC Canada jersey is some weak, weak sauce. <laughs> it's really, really bad. <laughs> so first of all, Canada is is in a script that is is it's a line script, kind of like the Blue Jays, um, the Blue Jays split letters. But it, it's very thin little lines, and Canada is so small. It's it's teeny tiny little block letters. It's like it's like it's Canada. Okay, and they don't even go across the top of the chest. They go across kind of like the midriff. <laughs> oh my goodness! Thus, thus displacing the buttons that would normally be evenly spaced across the jersey. There's two very high up, and then the buttons get out of the way for the Canada patch. And then you pointed yeah. out the striping. Which doesn't go all the way around or all the way down. There's this weird pipe. So I actually kind of like the piping on the sleeves, which is goes white, red, white. Looks nice. But then that same piping goes around the collar 60% of the way. <sighs> and down the legs to the knees. Why not do it all the way? <laughs> what is the thinking behind that? We're just, we're just going to tweak it a little bit. I just don't understand how someone can look at that and think, yeah, yeah, we got this. <laughs> like, did they run out of white felt? Like, <laughs> what happened? A, a lot of things happen on Friday afternoon, Josh. I think you should, you and I both understand that. That's a good point. Uh, yeah, so that that is our um, regrettable do-over, is bold people. Think bold, brash, and also it's okay to be just traditional. Like there's nothing wrong with being traditional on a jersey for an international competition. We we don't need you to reinvent the wheel. Um we you can mail us like you can courier them to Josh and I the new redesigned jerseys and uh we'll give you, you know, we'll acknowledge the do over. Um that moves on to one of my favorite players because he refuses to fit any particular mold who we're going to give a gold star. I think that's rather brilliant. So I did good, right? I mean, I would have thought you'd get a gold star. You enjoy that. You've earned it. Okay, Zach Greinke is out there for one guy at this point in his career, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Zach Greinke is just the greatest. I mean, he, he definitely just does what he wants, and he doesn't care that he might not fit some normal view of way a person should act. He's never... I mean, one thing if someone does that, the people who do that are like, I don't care what people think, we're just jerks. You know, it's like Yeah, no. He he just decides to be how he wants to be, and it's it's always harmless and fun, and that's great. Good for him. And he's decided to continue that. This year, for the first time, pitchers are allowed to wear the pitch comm system that allows that the catchers use to call pitches. Well, now the pitcher can call their own pitch. I'm sorry to interrupt, and I know this isn't about Zach Greinke, but I watched the Pitching Ninja uh, breakdown of Chris Bassett with this system going from having trouble getting the sign with a runner on second 
to being able to call his own pitches. And he threw four pitches in the time it took to throw one using traditional signs. If anything is going to speed up the game, it's that. Okay, I'll let you go back to Zach Greinke. <laughs> well, now I'm going to continue on your tangent there. <laughs> That's why this was done. So for pitchers like Bassett or Ryu, when he comes back, who throw a bunch of pitches, instead of saying no, 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 no. <laughs> it's just, I don't want to do that one. Here's the one I want. Yep. Zach Grinke decided to push a button and then shake himself off <laughs> and say, not the one I want because he's Zach Grinke. But he's also, he's always, he's always playing like a little bit of 4D chess. He did it and then picked the runner off because the runner was probably mesmerized by what he was doing. <laughs> oh, um, I don't know why, but that reminds me of the Munonori Kawasaki when he's playing for the Mariners, where they told him to fake run, and he like jogged in place, coming off first base, and everyone just looked at him. Like, <laughs> that's that's not really faking a, a a steal. That's just running in place, Moody. Um, yeah. yeah, pure comedy and a gold yeah. star. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, well, well worthy, and really, just Zach Greinke is a gold star. Yeah. Um, a long time ago, he, he talked about struggling with anxiety and depression in the game. And I, I hope that the reason that he is the way he is, is because that frees him from worrying about a lot of those things. Um, that it's okay to just be Zach and say what you, what you feel and everything will work out in the end. Cause it has worked out for him in his career. I think he's, it, it's been a lot of fun to watch if you, yeah. you know, if it wasn't an important playoff game against the Blue Jays. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that rounds out the podcast. So as we round out the podcast, I will ask you for a final thought. So you just brought him up. But uh, the other thing that's been noteworthy with Chris Bassett during this spring is that his velocity is way down, about three miles an hour. The thing is, and like the guy we just talked about, Zach Greinke, it seems like it's on purpose. Both those guys apparently have a habit of intentionally not throwing very hard at the start of camp. Whereas for most pitchers, velocity gets, it stabilizes pretty quickly. These guys, we just don't know. But the reason it's noteworthy is he's doing it on purpose, but he's also 34. So mm. I still want to see him not do that on, on purpose. I want to see him try to throw hard just to make sure it's still there because that is something to watch. I believe that he'll get there. Or, so do I, but it's just, it's, it's one of yeah. those things like, okay, I get that you're doing this, but just, just show me one, please. <laughs> just, just air it out once. Just, just for the, just, just for the people in the, for the people in the cheap seats. Oh man. Um, Sitting at home is the cheap seat you can get. So yes. Precisely. Okay. I'm, I'm not, I don't like ending on a dark note, but this is a crazy thing that my daughter actually brought to me. She doesn't, she doesn't do baseball things at all, but she goes, so you're going to talk about the Phillies and brain cancer. I'm like. What? So the uh, I think it's the Philadelphia Inquirer looked into the fact that they someone noticed that six Philadelphia Phillies had all died from the same rare form of brain cancer um, mm -hmm. between uh, 1977 and 2003 that they they had played for the Phillies during that 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 period of time, including like Tug McGraw, Darren Dalton, um, among others, and 
they found the turf. Well, the turf was cut out of the stadium when they when they won the championship in, in 81. So they sold it to people in little bags so they could find the turf that was actually in there. They had it tested and it was, was made by Monsanto and it had a number of what are called forever chemicals in it, which are unstable um, compounds that will get into your circulatory system and your respiratory system and then circulate throughout your body and can cause problems with uh, kidneys, uh, liver and, and some other things. Uh, nobody's ever done a study on whether they cause problems in the brain or not. But, I mean, we knew turf was bad, but that was mind-blowing that that was even a possibility. Yeah, 16 different of the uh, forever chemicals were found in it. And, and it's, I mean, this is awful. It's a horrible story. And the idea that playing baseball could have led to the, you know, the end of these players' lives, I, that's just really, really sad. Yeah, and I I think um, I think it does point to, and, I, and this was from Deadspin, I, I believe was was opining on it, the importance of journalism, right? Because who has the time to put that together, but a a local newspaper or a local TV station to have feet on the ground who can track down sources and and you know cross reference things and find the actual turf and get it tested. So I know in the age of like everybody wants a dime from you in the media um, is tough to figure out where to get your information from, but it, it is probably worth remembering that journalists do bring to light some pretty crazy things sometimes that would, would probably forever remain um, unknown. So shout out to all the journalists who are doing hard work. Yeah. So, and I mean, especially, you know, it allows them, it'll allow them to do more studies on things like this because so that this doesn't ever happen again. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, uh, our artificial turf is 100% safe because it is virtual. I want you to know that. <laughs> uh, this has been episode number 259 of Artificial Turf Wars. I have been Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead 2010, and you have been Joshua Housem at Joshua Housem. And we will talk at you next week. Next week.